Hello and welcome once again to episode 132 of Code Completion. We are a group of iOS developers and educators hoping to share what we love most about development, Apple technology, and completing your code. My name is Dimitri and I'll be your host once again for this episode and I'm joined today by my fellow completionist, Spencer. Hey there. So as always, uh, we have a new, uh, I, don't, I hesitate to say batch because there's just one, one, uh, one new uh, proposal uh, in, the, in the run, uh, but we have a new Swift Evolution proposal. Uh, and that is expanding on our favorite thing, variadic generics, uh, <laughs> with tuple of value pack expansion. Um, this sounds complicated, uh, but it basically means that you can use variadic generics with tuples and do sensible things with them, like use them as function arguments and return values and stuff like that. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's needed. That's all I can say. <laughs> Yeah, it seems like it's just rounding out the the feature set that's going to be coming out with these these packs. So that's cool. Just more. I mean, that's what would suck is I, I guess this, to me seems a little bit like SwiftUI version one, where it's like there were very obviously things lacking uh, that just made things either super hard to do or you know impossible. Uh, obviously, this is at a lower level, um, but you know. Trying people trying to get as much as they can in for like potentially version one of these these uh, the packs is you know is a good idea. So someone yeah. saw that that was missing and they added it. So that's cool. Yeah, and it, it's it's something that like we're gonna get more and more of uh, as people gain experience as to what is missing. Um, and for everyone kind of thinking, well, this variadic generic stuff sounds very complicated. You might actually end up using it earlier than you think. So I I have I told Spencer uh, this, but about a week ago, I started a new little project of mine, and I immediately felt myself reaching for something like <laughs> Variadic Generics because it would just make some super boilerplate code a way nicer uh, to have something like that. So I think that a lot of us are going to end up wanting something like this uh very soon um and it's just something that we're going to need to get used to little by little because it does have a whole bunch of new syntax which i'm probably going to get wrong like how many of us were totally confused by the where clauses in swift uh when they first kind of got littered all over the place right uh now we're gonna have repeat and each clause is all over and it's like what do these mean um but hopefully the compiler can uh, help us out uh, at least from the at the learning stage where we're kind of figuring out where we want to use these things um, and like that will be something that we're definitely going to see a lot of um, at WWDC in a month or two uh, so that's that's exciting on the topic of exciting news uh, it seems that Apple came out with new software which is fairly rare nowadays uh, but they have new versions of Final Cut Pro and Logic available for ipad yeah uh they're going to be coming out uh on the 23rd of may so yeah probably yeah like a week from now or so um yeah it's it's cool to i mean my position is a little bit different where it's basically a competitor to my livelihood so (laughs) that's interesting um so i on from my side i've sort of been looking at you know what other people are saying as compared to LumaFusion because uh, I, I want to keep my job and I hope that 
I don't think that this will tank us or anything. I mean, it's sort of like the same thing. Um, I don't know how long ago it was, a few months ago, when DaVinci came out for iPad and stuff. So, um, and we're, you know, we're doing fine still. So, um, I guess the thing with Final Cut, obviously, is it's from Apple. So that makes a difference. Although there are some really nice things and some sort of caveats, like from my perspective, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, it only works on higher end iPads, as far as yeah. I'm aware, like M1 or up iPads. Yep. So there's that. Um, it does have things that we don't have, like live drawing, and that's pretty cool. You can draw and write, you know, directly on whatever your your media is, and and kind of annotate, I guess, which is cool. Um, so yeah, but you know, they've got things like multicam editing, which we just came out with. Not that we're the only ones with it or anything, but uh, so like it's very comparable. Uh, I think there's sort of some back and forths, at least from my probably slightly biased perspective. Um, but yeah, it's, it's cool. I mean, it's got a lot of graphics and that's cool. And it does some ML stuff like, um, I forget what they called it. Um, like removing the backgrounds, chroma key, the backgrounds like you can do. Yeah. Um, you know, with photos and stuff and in the photos app and stuff. So it's cool. And then I don't really know much about logic, but that that's cool. It does um, music stuff, right? Yeah. (laughs) That's about all I know. Um, that, that seems a little bit harder to do, uh, music stuff on an iPad than, you know, video editing. Cause if you need to hook up a MIDI controller, well, I guess you could probably do that, but it seems like audio engineers, you know, stack of devices that they use are more complex. Like, I mean, they buy Mac pros just so they can have the, you know, PCIe expandability and stuff and put whatever cards and stuff they need. So I don't know how, uh, popular that'll be, but I can imagine that, they probably had a fair amount of their library that they could just port over and maybe just build on UI. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. It, but, I mean, it's exciting. It's exciting to get competition and also a little bit scary, but uh, I think overall it's, it's a cool thing for sure. Oh, it is a subscription too. That's yeah. That, that's what I was going to mention. So yeah, uh, it's, it's what's most interesting about this is this is like some of Apple's first subscription software where Final yeah. Cut Pro and Logic have traditionally been, I think, 300 bucks for Final Cut Pro. I don't know about Logic. Um, I think it's 199 or something. Yeah, but that's like a permanent license uh, yeah. for updates in per- perpetuity, um, yeah. which makes sense for a piece of software that not a lot of people use. Um, you have to make it expensive, and it has to be something that that can win them over, especially when Final Cut Pro or Final Cut X burned so many bridges uh base from final cut 7 uh which yes. was a, a a great departure um in ui and and capabilities yes. uh so this seems like it's just as great a departure right and it's not like they want to win over the people that are using final cut pro on their computers they more want to win over the new generation of folks that need something better than iMovie uh right um and want to dip their toes in something more complex uh than GarageBand, uh but also don't necessarily have the equipment or the budget to shell out for like a full uh editing uh rig and uh, as with most of this apple software what's most likely to happen is instead of being a competitor to something like LumaFusion, it ends up being a benefactory in some way because Apple's not going to iterate and get all the features that everyone needs as quickly. 
um, as uh, yeah, smaller true. independent uh, development shops, and they're going to be able to pick up the slack where Apple is not, right? Um, and because they're bringing new customers to the space, then there's more uh, there's more people to recommend this, these other uh, products too. So I think in that sense, it's kind of beneficial to everyone. We'll see if... And Apple has traditionally not pulled shenanigans on the App Store to kind of like promote its stuff over other stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, so like uh, hopefully that's not going to start today, right? Um, yeah. Uh, that, that would royally suck because there's no other option for something like LumaFusion other than being on the App Store uh, currently. Yeah. We'll see soon. Um, but uh, that's that's the current status quo. So uh, that I would say that's that's kind of really interesting about all this. Yeah, for sure. I agree. I think, yeah, between the um, the limited device compatibility and the subscription, like, it's a lot less worrying to me now than when I first saw the headline. I was like, oh, crap. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, it'll, you know, we'll, we'll see in the coming weeks and months and stuff. And, you know, I... I'm surprised and pleasantly surprised that DaVinci didn't really do anything to us when it came out. So, and that was free, I think. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So well, they're hoping you buy their hardware too, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For, I mean, everyone's got an angle. For sure. Yeah. And I, I can definitely see this too being geared like a Final Cut Pro is kind of geared towards YouTubers. Um, like that's, that's probably where most of their users yeah. are. Um, surprisingly enough and the rest of them are on premiere right so if apple can help convince any of those premiere folks hey you have an ipad right you have a windows computer we've got that <laughs> yeah. out of the way but you probably also have an ipad because that's kind of the best tablet around why don't you give this a try and see how it fits into your workflow and right. if uh not needing to necessarily fiddle around with the keyboard and mouse makes you faster in any way then why not it's a perfectly great way to interact with many types of uis right um so that might be that's what i'm thinking apple's probably targeting uh is that kind of segment of the market or trying to satisfy them right sure. um because at the end of the day apple does not necessarily care to sell software they care to sell more hardware um and that's that's where their juice is so um, I think this is a step in that direction, right? Yeah, that's a fair, uh, fair assessment, I think. Yeah, and I think I would say the last piece that's really interesting about all this uh, is this was actually leaked. Um, it was leaked for the wrong date. Yes. Um, the date that it was leaked was much later, uh, but uh, apparently uh, the leaker uh, kind of got found out based on that key information. Um, because, uh, I think it was their girlfriend or something was the employee at Apple that had leaked sister, it. Yeah. Oh, sister. Right. Um, and therefore that information is now known by Apple. I think that employee yeah. has been terminated. Uh, yep. and, uh, the next step is probably legal, um, uh, legal pittance at this point. So, uh, yeah. as, as you've heard us say several times before, like, it kind of sucks when these big companies kind of go after the little person, whether it's Nintendo going after people that are uh, building uh, hacks and stuff, or yeah. uh, it's, like, going after the leaked copy of the game and who leaked it and all that. Um, like, 
yeah, there are repercussions for those companies that are much larger than uh, like someone stealing stuff from a Joe Schmo, right? Um, like there's quite literally millions of dollars uh, in the in, in the running there that they're worried about. Um, at the same time, that person that did leak the thing does not have millions of dollars. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it's kind of deeply unbalanced there. But like, I can see the case for an example being set from like a law perspective. Like, hey, we can't do these sorts of things. Like, it's it's not allowed in our society. But like, I can definitely see the unbalance there. And maybe we just need different laws that kind of support uh, the Modern. the individual person a lot better than these yeah. giant corporations. Uh, that are oh i'm so sorry that they're hurt um like it's yeah. one thing if they're going out of business but if they're wildly successful then like that's a that's a very different case and maybe this is the only thing that's holding piracy uh from going completely out of control is setting these examples but i'm gonna kind of stage a bet in that it's not like i just yeah. think that most people are decent and they are not kind of in it to to ruin the system uh, for everyone um, and are willing to give money several times, <coughs> uh, Spencer and Dimitri, uh, to certain <laughs> companies that they that they uh, don't don't uh, necessarily agree with. Um, oh man! Uh, but like I, that's that's the thing that gets me is like there are plenty of people who are willing to do the right thing enough to make up for the people that don't have the means right there's only one yeah. reason why you're going to be pirating uh something and that's because you're 16 and you don't have a job you don't have the ability <laughs> yeah to to get the thing anyways right um and it's one thing if you're building a company around like ruining uh an, like leeching off of a separate of a different company right like i can guess the closest thing to that is corellium i think they're called uh emulating ios uh, to kind of find oh. security exploits, um, which yeah. Apple recently lost that case. Uh, so in, in extreme irony, when an individual does it, that's that's a no-no. But when a big company does it, uh, that's good business, mm. right? Um, yep. So like that's where I feel like our, our system of laws is kind of not keeping up with uh, the reality of the situation, right? Um, yeah. So we'll see. Uh, today's vigilante and uh, Peter Panism of uh, making a game available or making a piece of information available widely before uh, a company wants it, like maybe that should not be an offense with 30 years of jail time or however many millions of dollars of future income attached to it uh, when you are an yeah. individual, right? Yeah, but that's just definitely. me. No, I agree. I mean, it's uh interesting how they kind of did it where they like leaked specific information to specific people that was wrong and so they could determine who was leaking the information um but you know it, this kind of stuff also sucks because like uh in a very sort of i guess shallow sense um like Johnny won't be on the podcast anymore because he works at Apple now. And like, that kind of sucks. Like I get it. I totally get it. Cause like, you don't want to even between friends leak anything, let alone like on a podcast because you know, you work there. So, um, we were down a code completionist just because of that, just cause you know, mm -hmm. Apple is 
particularly uh, sensitive and uh, potentially litigious uh, about this stuff. So, yeah. yeah. And and that's not to say, like, hey, if you work at Apple, does not mean you can't have friends, right? Yeah, we still course. talk with Johnny. We still, yes. like, have fun conversations with him, especially about Zelda, right? We're just yes, not, about Zelda. <laughs> we're not talking to him about stuff at Apple, and we're not yeah, asking yeah. him for like, what are your thoughts about this? We're not we're not poking and prodding because right. that puts him in an an incredibly awkward situation. Um, so if you do know people that work at Apple, like respect the fact that they can't and they may might really want to share, but they really shouldn't. Um, and any any little uh, hypothetical devil on the shoulder is not going to help them right yeah um as as was probably the case in this situation right the one person that worked at apple was probably incredibly excited about what they were working on um and was not in it to get a kickback or anything um and someone else preyed on that like straight and simple um because one person was getting a benefit out of working at apple and income the other one was not um, and they found a way to get some benefit, uh, five minutes of fame. Um, and then that quickly turned out to not work out for them. So like, it's, it's not the right time to play Peter Pan, I guess. Um, and maybe it will never be. Uh, but I still think it sucks if Apple does choose to go after these people yeah. beyond terminating Fire. their employment, yep. right? Like that, that's, they've already done a lot. Um, and they, those two are already probably not going to do this again. Um, like they've learned their lesson. Um, and it's a complete different thing if they just continue this behavior. Right. Uh, but like at this point, I would say that is probably enough. Um, and same, same to Nintendo going after, um, I forget what the person did, but they're, they, uh made it very easy to like pirate software right yeah i think the whole thing was like they made it really easy for custom firmware to be loaded uh on the switch which i think then allowed um other uh, you know tools like being able to um export a rom from uh the cartridge, the cartridge or whatever or or uh, import them as well and install them. I don't know if the software he he made uh, specifically al- like uh, like they. I don't know if he, they wrote the software to do that, but I'm fairly sure that it was just allowing you to basically load custom firmware. I could be wrong though. Got it. No, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, like it, to go after one individual um, with that kind of penalty. Yeah. Uh, seems rigid uh, and it's something that I think we as society need to think about uh, and potentially change especially around copyright right um, it's like such a such a fragmented and broken piece of our current civilization that I yeah, think it definitely then, needs uh, change because the only ones who benefit are giant corporations and never individuals which it was made to protect so yeah yeah I was just gonna say and then Disney kind of like says F you to copyright and like still gets their a lot of well they're trying to you know keep Mickey Mouse copyrighted and stuff and it's like okay yeah so. and the music industry they also like yes. royally ruined uh everything because now n- nothing enters the public domain anymore <laughs> I don't know if anyone's noticed that uh but there is 
uh, a whole segment of our civilization that's just kind of locked behind uh, a paywall for some company to profit off of, um, which is kind of ridiculous. But uh, in any case, there are other things that are uh, quite exciting to get uh, excited about, and that is that the new headset that Apple has reportedly been uh, working on may come in like a month. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. Um, <clears throat> Ming-Chi Kuo says that Apple is well-prepared for the headset uh, announcement at Dub Dub. So that's pretty crazy. Um, and he kind of talks about um, the, you know, the price of, of the headset probably being around $3,000 and that cost being uh, represented by its most, ex- or he says, uh, the components represent its most expensive material costs in his view. So that includes 4K micro OLED displays, uh, dual M2 based processors, so probably not straight M2s, but in, in same silicon, uh, the headset casing, 12 ca- optical cameras for tracking hand movements. That's pretty crazy. Uh, and an external power supply. So uh, that sort of is the, are the, those are the contributors to that price. So, um, John Gruber on, you know, it's a daring fireball post says um, that like he kind of makes the comparison between the 1984 original Macintosh and it cost $2,500, which in today money is about $7,500. So uh, in that sense, you know, if it's amazing, it's not absurd for $3,000 is what he says. So that's like an interesting perspective where um, I, you know, I wasn't around for sort of those older Macintoshes, but computers were a lot more expensive back in the day it seems like at least so uh people may pay for it and you know they they're talking about that they're trying to sort of aim it at developers content creators and professionals rather than general consumers and apple expects to sell just one headset per day per retail store so like that's kind of an interesting perspective where it's not like people are flying out the door with macbook airs uh, all day, every day, probably uh, their, you know, target, I suppose, is pretty low for this first generation of whatever this headset ends up being. I, I guess that that target of one per day per retail store gets me thinking, how many of these are they going to have like on display for people to try? Right. It's a good point. Because yeah. if there's like just one table with like six of them, right, uh, then it's not like it's not something that people can look over the shoulder and kind of check out as well. Um, it's you're experiencing it and no one else really is. Um, so that's going to be an interesting like thing that they're going to need to play around with. And I guess they got some of this experience with the watch, right? It's so small that no one's really looking over their shoulders yeah. to kind of see. Um, but it's, it's not a very social device, right? So it's going to be interesting to see how they're going to uh, get people to kind of try it out and uh, leave the store with one. Because the people who want it, they're not going to go to the store and get it. They're just going to order it online. Um, yeah. So it's like, what what exactly do they aim to be like selling at the store, right? It's the people who are kind of learning about it then and there and who have a hole in their wallet, um, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah, and like just thinking about them probably like having to clean the headset every time someone uses it and stuff. Like, 
And they uh, they were originally doing that with the watches, and then now it's just kind of like, hey, here's the table. The watches have fun, right? Yeah, it seems a little bit more fine on the on the wrist, but when it's like you're breathing into this thing, basically, it's like mm, that's kind of gross. It's okay. COVID is over. It's been officially. Oh yeah. Uh, it's uh. It's no yeah, longer it a doesn't thing. Ex- if you're yeah, seen with a mask exist. outside, people have the entitlement to tell you now COVID is over. Um, well, yeah. This is America. Come on, man. To be clear, uh, I fully uh, endorse still wearing a mask, and I want to make that super-duper 100% clear. COVID is not yeah. over. Uh, a lot of yeah. people that I know just recently caught it. Uh, nice. So, like, let's let's not pretend it's over. Um, it's still debilitating for a lot of people. It still kills a lot of people. Um, and it can leave you disabled uh, in the scariest way possible mentally, uh, which is, like, the the, the way I do not want to uh, live the rest of my life which is probably gonna be yeah. prolonged by medicine and like our like ability to prolong life in general right it's just gonna get longer and longer and i don't want that longer and longer to be uh filled with worse and worse yeah worse and worse uh so uh, i am still like a person who wears a mask when i go out um especially so that i have a newborn child that does not have a working immune system so uh, yeah. i want to encourage everyone hey if you can and if you don't mind wearing a mask wear a mask the person who came and installed fiber he's like hey do you want me to wear a mask i'm totally a-okay doing that and it's like yes if you if you can like please That's do cool. like uh the the fact that people are still uh very open to doing that like warms your heart in a way right uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it gives you hope for humanity um when there's like so little of it left um so i just want to share that yeah no, that's that's actually really cool. I um, I was out shopping for clothes for my sister's wedding with with my family yesterday, or with my mom and my my brother. Um, I, we weren't wearing masks, but I'll I'll usually wear a mask if it's like pretty populated area. But we were just in like a clothing store with like two other people. But the guy at the at the counter was wearing a mask. I was like, hey, that's like the first time I've seen someone wear a mask, uh, in a long long time in you know just like a normal place. So. That was cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the topic of things that, that seem like counterproductive to everything, uh, the Maryland Apple Store Union uh, wants to allow uh, the employees that work at the Apple Store to ask for tips. Um, and this seems like we're going even more backwards. Um, yeah. Maybe it's because they feel like they're not being paid enough. Tipping is not the answer to that, though. Tipping is a tool that companies use to pay people less, uh, not pay people more. So it's very weird that the union is pushing for this, um, even though like Apple would never like want this, uh, which no. is even weirder. Um, not to mention like uh, it, it's talking about. I think it says like a three five or a custom amount. Uh, you know, three five three or five percent tip or a custom amount. Okay, That's like, okay. I'm going to pause you. The, the percentage thing is like one thing, but you go to a coffee shop and it's like, do you want to tip one, two or three dollars? Your drink was four dollars. You're going to be tipping 60 okay. percent by tapping the three dollar right. button. No, I know. Like, but <laughs> you tip like five percent on like a five thousand dollar Mac Pro. And it's like, that's a lot of money, dude. That's a huge freaking tip. And it goes into a pool 
you don't just like pay directly the the tip directly the person that helped you goes into a pool and it's like based on how else hours is the manager gonna get tips spencer yeah okay i'm sorry yeah anyway i'm not i'm not like against tips right like i definitely at least tip 20 percent when i when i go to a restaurant or whatever but like it seems weird to do this at like an apple store it's like apple could pay you more money dude come on they're asking for like some good stuff, like a ten percent uh, raise and stuff. But like, yeah, the tip thing is like, this seems a little, a little interesting. I the only I think tips have gotten more and more pervasive in weirder and weirder yeah, ways. For sure, like yes. ever since ever since everyone is using the same like payment terminals, like Clover, uh-huh. um, then it's just like a part of the thing. So why not have a tip on every screen for anything? I'm buying clothes. Would you like to tip me? Um, it's yeah, like, exactly. At which point is it a tip or you're just like paying their wages, right? Yeah. Um, and it's incredibly awkward because everyone can see you tipping. Um, if you, if you have any sort of good income, you feel indebted to tip because yeah. like at which point, like, uh, am I too good to not tip this person who does not necessarily have the same, uh, the same like benefits that I've had, like, getting to my point in my career um and them and theirs like it's it's a very bizarre thing that we still have yeah. this and it's very american centric like it does not exist yes. in other countries um and then there's the awkward like when should you tip and when should you not tip um yeah. like when you go to the hotel do you leave the the cleaning lady a tip or not or cleaning person right. i should say um like is that something that you do or you don't it's super ambiguous um, yeah. because we have a tipping culture that is just kind of whatever. Um, and now it's even more whatever. So, like, I don't I don't endorse this at all. I think, if anything, uh, there are a few stores and restaurants that I've been to that actively say, hey, do not tip. We pay our employees well. Uh, in fact, you can see how well we pay our employees because we say we're now hiring for uh, $30 an hour. Um, and... That's great. That's a great way of making fe- people not feel bad that they're not tipping at a restaurant because they can directly see like what people are getting paid to do their job. Uh, and it turns out when they're being paid well, they do their job well and you don't have to have tips. Um, and yeah. for anyone that's listening that's not American, the reason why you have tips is because in some states, uh, the, the, the minimum wage for service industry is like $2 an hour, which yep. is stupid. That's, um, that's how it is in Utah. Tip. That's it, why I'm always like, yeah. Yeah, I had a friend that worked at a restaurant in high school and, uh, you know, we'd go to the restaurant to hang out with him and get food from him and stuff when he was working. And, yep, he got paid. It was like two fifty an hour. So uh, that's why I always will tip at restaurants because I know they they don't get paid anything. It's just like I don't know if it's like a state thing or a It's very thing much a state thing. In California, it's not it's yeah. minimum wage whatever regular minimum wage is all service wow. industry also gets that same minimum wage yeah no service um, yeah in utah it's it's awful but that's where i'm like yeah obviously i'm going to tip you like otherwise you're making literally nothing so um yeah it's a bummer for sure it, mm-hmm. it, yeah so it's definitely a weird culture for sure though i i think the weirdest one is when companies don't want you to tip but they also staple on a 16 service 16 percent service fee it's like just add it to <laughs> it's the price. Same thing. <laughs> yeah. Or, or another favorite, uh, when they tax the food. Food is not taxable. <laughs> don't, don't tax the food. You tax the drinks, yeah. not the food. 
but no one knows that, so they just start adding the tax on the food as well. Um, so it's like, mm. <laughs> it's just so much, uh, so yeah. much to unpack that no one knows how these laws work. Uh, they just like adding percentages all over the place for a menu price that people don't even look at anymore. Like, yep. I don't know about you. If you go to the 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 semi decent sushi place, you're not going to d- decide which fish to get based on the price. You're not going to look. You, you're going to already what you mentally get. prepared yourself. Yeah. yeah. Um. So it's like there's there's very little point uh to all of these hidden fees. If anything, all these hidden fees have caused people to not bother looking at the price, and then they just get surprised at the final bill or don't ever look at it, and then wonder why they have no money. Um, which is also another thing people do because credit cards exist <laughs> yeah. and you're not counting the cash right in front. Um, yeah. So, yeah, this whole system is kind of like out of control. Um, I don't think uh, the Maryland Apple Store Union uh, is going to improve this in any way by like forcing Apple to allow their employees to ask for tips. Um, if anything, like Apple stores work so well because there's no commission, there's no pressure uh to get people to like sell stuff um and people are happier for that you go into apple store to learn and not necessarily go out with a brand new car that you didn't want right um and that is why apple has been so successful so for them to not realize this is incredibly short-sighted um to say the least yeah um yeah the article talks a little bit more about some some other benefits that they're trying to push for, which seem definitely a lot more reasonable. Mm-hmm. Like I said, uh, overall raises, I think it's a 10% raise. Vacations. Um, yeah. Benefits. Way more vacation, bereavement leave benefits, um, higher like, pay. That's over all reasonable holidays. Yeah, of course. Like that, we're not saying that that's all, any of this is a bad thing, but the tipping is just like kind of a weird, like, it's I don't like know if it's like laws a, that get shoehorned in with all the rest. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, why? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's the grand plan here? Why is this going to to be a thing that uh, is going to impact things in 10 years and no one's going to realize how it got in? Yeah. So, anyway. On the topic of things that we no one wanted to get in, uh, it seems <laughs> like the Go compiler, this is a compiler that runs on your terminal, uh, is going to be tracking your compilations uh, in some way. Sorry, I didn't mean to say tracking. Adding telemetry. Um Basically tracking big, uh, big what you're compiling yeah. uh, to see if you use certain features because they claim uh, it will help people fix bugs that no one yeah. are, no one is complaining about. Like they said, they had a yeah. bug no one's complaining about. Maybe no one's using it. Maybe that's that's the problem. But got to add telemetry. Yeah, it's interesting. They they talk about there's a there was some issue that happened in 2020 or so that. The, no one reported the the bug over three years, and then they they found it when they were working on something else. So like that seems like to be their impetus for wanting to do this, which is like, yeah, okay, well, if no one reported it for three years, then probably not an issue, like Dimitri said, or not big enough to I don't know. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's super interesting, and it talks about like they'll. It's kind of weird, like they're. You have like a two, under a two percent chance of getting sort of flagged to report this whatever configuration you're using, uh, which means probably like less than once a year that you'll actually be sending telemetry, but it gets rounded up into a daily report that people can view, or I don't know who can view, but it'll it says the server publishes the each day's reports in full. Um, 
and publishing tabular and graphical summaries um, based on whatever your configuration is. So kind of a weird thing. I mean, it, it talks about um, Audacity, GitLab, and Homebrew um, have adopted telemetry in the past and like seems to be generally accepted, it says, but um, and it mentions VS Code also being having detailed telemetry and it not having you know, stopped it from being used by 74% of developers. Holy crap, that's a lot of people. Um, it's just the default now. I know. Yeah. So. It's a hot pipe, piece of garbage if you've never used VS Code before. Yeah, uh, I don't. This is how how I know. Uh, if you scroll, the scrolling is not the same as scrolling anywhere on the system. It's the it's worst. It's ever dude. so slightly off. And it's like, I don't know how that doesn't bother people. Like, it nearly almost made me motion sickness. I'm not joking. Like, I get carsick very easily. And that almost made me carsick. Looking at a screen, scrolling something, just because That's it was awesome. ever so slightly different than what my brain is used to. And my brain is convinced I ate something poisonous at that point. Um, which I guess is true. I'm using something poisonous um, on my computer <laughs> screen. Um, so if you find yourself the need to use... Uh, any sort of editor for web development, go check out Nova by Panic. This is not sponsored. Yay. Uh, it is go. a way better app. Yes, it crashes constantly if you get it into a certain state with uh, uh, TypeScript. Um, ask me how I know. I lo- I send them love messages every every time it happens because it love usually messages. happens in like <laughs> batches um, where mm. it's like I I type something that it's unhappy about and like anything I do within that hour time frame is just going to make it upset um usually when i'm refactoring like something big um so doesn't happen all the time and once it starts crashing it'll like crash dozens of times one after another so i I usually like write them a poetry i don't know uh something to entertain them hopefully give them clues as to what on earth is going on that's good uh because at at a certain point i'm not doing anything it's just like typing and it crashes like well, yeah. I, here I am typing again. How's your day? Um, like, there's nothing. I I don't want to be mean to them, uh, and I yeah. fully support everyone. Give them a try because that is still better than VS Code. Um, like, I'm not getting motion sickness. I'm just getting better memory <laughs> because I I now remember exactly what code I wanted to write because it went boof four times. Um, so it, if anything, it's improving me. That's how much I love okay. panic is I'm willing love to accept it. the shortcoming of their <laughs> software crashing every now and then for random reasons, uh, over, uh, the piece of garbage that is VS code. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know what kind of endorsement that was. Uh, panic. I love you. Uh, you, you make cool stuff. Uh, please fix That's that true, crash. I, I sent you plenty of reports. Hopefully they're useful. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, this week's episode of Code Completion is brought to you by Pennant. Calling all sports fans. Want to keep track of the season, but there's so many teams and not enough time? Check out Pennant. Pennant provides sports standings at a glance. Pennant displays league standings as a simple bar chart where the best teams rise to the top throughout the season. Of course, you can dig in deeper with team stats, game results, and more. Version 10 introduced the all-new customizable My Pennant view, where you can build a wide selection of visualizations for any sport division or team. Unlock Pennant Premium to add as many blocks as you'd like and put any of them on your home screen as a widget. Whether you follow MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL, or MLS, Pennant has you covered with more sports and leagues coming soon. Thank you so much for Pennant for sponsoring Code Completion. Download Pennant on the iOS App Store today. So, Spencer, 
I've got a code completion tip for you, and it's right. about Swift enums because Swift enums are the best. If you haven't heard um, other languages, I don't know if you've heard TypeScript <clears throat> um, have things called enums. In fact, TypeScript has a thing called an enum that doesn't even exist in the language. Uh, it's just kind of like the documentation literally says you probably don't want to use these, uh, but just in case JavaScript adds them, we're we have them here so that way your code can, tr- can transition well. Um, oh. so total bandaid, uh, but, uh, the, these enums, uh, in Swift, they're amazing. Um, and they're amazing for a completely different reason as of Swift 5.3. Uh, and that is you can have them be comparable for free. Uh, it turns out it was a pain pre Swift 5.3 to make them comparable if they weren't like an integer based enum, right. um, because then it's like, well, how is it comparable? Um, but in Swift 5.3, the order you define them in, that can be the order. Um, if they have associated values, that can be part of the order. All you have to do is make your enum uh, conform to comparable, and that's all you need to do. Um, and then you have comparable enums, uh, which are super useful in a whole sorts of v- variety of situations. Now, not all enums need to be comparable. Like if you have north, south, east, west, those don't have <laughs> any sort of order, right? So it's not comparable by default. Uh, you do sure. need to opt into it, but the compiler will do the rest for you uh, and basically write code that will uh, make it comparable comparable for you. So that's my tip for this week. Very nice. Yeah, I was reading the um, the article that you um, linked, and we'll we'll put it in the, st- the description. It looks really cool. I've never used it yet, but um, it, it has some cool examples. So yeah, looks really good. Yeah, and best of all, it'll tell you if you're doing something wrong. So if you include an associated type Whoa. that's not comparable, it will go ahead and tell you that's why you can't make it comparable. So uh, A plus to Swift enums, as always. Uh, my next tip will probably also be about Swift enums because I haven't been <laughs> coding, and we'll talk about that. Uh, but uh, yeah, A plus for me. Nice. Uh, now it's time for mini review corner, where we uh, oftentimes buy tech products that. <laughs> Uh, we didn't necessarily need in our lives, but we now have. Um, Indeed. Uh, and in our case, um, okay, let me set the stage. Uh, we used to live in a small apartment, and therefore we bought a $40 microwave that fit, because nothing fit in the small yeah. little kitchen. Um, and we had a little microwave. Uh, a little later on, uh, we heard John Syracuse of ATP and uh, Hypercritical uh, and all sorts of other podcasts uh, talk about his favorite toaster oven and it was a whole thing uh, if you've lived in tech during that uh, time period uh, I think uh, Cards Against Humanity sponsored ATP for like a year just sending John toaster ovens to review to see if they were better <laughs> than his favorite one uh, and they That's weren't awesome. but it was very funny uh, and it culminated to on stage a Japanese toaster oven being shown uh, that steams the bread uh, and we had a live demonstration. So at WWDC, a uh, distant past. Uh, so that was very funny. <laughs> but uh, needless to say, uh, he had a favorite toaster oven. It was a Breville something something. I forget exactly what. Uh, you can look up his thing on the internet. It's it's pretty popular. Um, and we've had that because it matched our microwave for the longest time in uh, size. It didn't match in looks. Our microwave was the sh- shittiest color of black and plastic <laughs> Compared to yeah. the very nice brushed uh, stainless steel uh, toaster oven, which we tried to keep in fairly good condition, um, and it still looks pretty pretty new. 
Um, uh, pro tip, do not use oven off in a Breville toaster. It turns out they have a nonstick coating on everything that makes cleaning mm. it regularly easy. Um, now, of course, because I was putting mine away, I was like, I need to do a deep clean on this. There's yeah. some crusty oil that has not been regularly cleaned as suggested. So uh, I did use oven off and it totally took with it the nonstick finish. Uh, so mm-hmm. it is now permanently of an off of cleanable, uh, because that's the only <laughs> way to clean it at this point. It has, it has a stick finish now. Yeah. You just have to use oven off and it'll get rid of it every time. Um, including probably more and more material as you wipe it. Who knows yeah. uh, exactly what that takes. Just spraying oven off. You get the fumes. Oh, it like burns your insides. That stuff cannot be safe. Uh, use it yeah, outside in a windy area. Uh, for all intents and purposes. So anyways, uh, we had our little toaster oven. Um, now we recently have a baby and we needed to, uh, sanitize, uh, bottles and stuff like that. Um, and you can either do this by boiling a pot of water every time, which not great. Uh, or you can get these cool little microwavable containers or bags and put them in the microwave. Um, and that will just vaporize the water and cause the steam to sanitize everything. Seems fine in, in, uh, on paper. Turns out our microwave kind of small, so it doesn't fit any of the larger contraptions, not even the bag fit. Um, like everything is just like scrunched. It was a mess. Uh, so we wanted to get a new microwave. Uh, impressed with our Breville, we looked at Breville for microwaves, um, and we're like, oh yeah, this one seems very expensive, and we'll talk about it next week, uh, because we need more mini review corners. Uh, but that one's there not as techy as, as the toaster oven. But bigger microwave meant that it no longer matched, uh, the setup, right? We had, uh, mm-hmm. uh, now a, we would have had a big microwave and a little toaster, so we're like, well, we were very impressed with our, with our toaster oven for, like six or seven years now like why don't we get a bigger one um like treat ourselves a little bit uh so uh against the wishes of my wife i also uh in that same day ordered uh the uh, a toaster oven from breville um also expensive uh but this one was cool it's the breville jewel uh toaster oven and it has a weirder name it's the air fryer pro or something uh jewel oven air fryer pro um, and it comes in a, in a black finish. That's how you know it's pro. Um, <laughs> fancy. So it costs more too, 50, $50, I think. No, but the, the silver one, the silver one was not available for instant pickup. And I kind of <laughs> just wanted to get it over with. Uh, sure. so I, I got the, the black toaster oven and the silver microwave and they totally don't match, but they were also much larger. So stacking them didn't make sense anymore. So different parts of the, of the kitchen now, it kind of works out. Um, but today I will be reviewing the, the toaster oven one. Uh, and this is once again, the jewel registered trademark oven air fryer pro. Um, and I was like, what's the jewel? And it turns out this was part of a company that they, uh, bought recently chef master or something like that, uh, that made a sous vide machine that was called the jewel. Um, so this is the second jewel product, the, uh, a, an upgraded version of their existing oven air fryer pro um and this one has an app connected to it, it has the good old wi-fi's um i i was wondering why doesn't the microwave have the app and i just realized microwaves and wi-fi's don't don't mix um Fair. so maybe that's the reason but we'll get into that next week anyways for this week 
Uh, this toaster oven uh, is very cool. Uh, it has four rack levels, and the racks you can flip them to get like different heights because either uh-huh. it goes down or it goes up. Um, so that's neat. Uh, the dials are all like clickety, and it feels good to use. Um, so A plus on that. Um, the cool part about this is it has a compatible app, which I think is just called the Jewel app. Um, and this this app is actually well made for one of these connected smart devices. Nice. Um, and it is essentially a recipe book with like 500 mm. reasonably crafted recipes um, that are mostly all compatible with, uh, you guessed it, this toaster oven. Um, so it's basically there to teach you like techniques and cooking. Like if you don't already know like how you can how to air fry something properly turns out you still need oil um like oil is not out of the equation just because you're air frying you can skip the oil and have bad food that's totally okay um (laughs) but you can also use oil uh, and get really good food and it won't be nearly as much oil that you're wasting in the cooking process um turns out when you deep fry stuff not a lot of the oil sticks around in the food that's a separate thing like you can get a lot don't worry um like it can be bad for you if you really wanted to uh but most cases when you're deep frying something the oil is just there to like remove moisture from the food and then when you remove the food from the oil most of the oil is still in the pot who to thunk um and and like not a lot of it again it's possible to get a lot of it uh but not a lot of it always sticks around with the food or if you do it in a pan yada yada uh and air frying is just another technique of doing that using a lot less oil because you don't need to submerge it in the oil you just need to coat it with oil um and then the air frying can do the rest um right that said we have not used this as an air fryer yet uh but we have used it as a regular toaster oven and oh boy did we, were we missing out because we did not have a convection oven ever before mm. um and this cooks things very very well very very consistently every time um and it cools itself down which is super cool so if you forget your say bagel bites um like oh, i nice. totally did not do this morning uh for seven minutes in the oven it's not like they're going to continue cooking for seven minutes they will finish cooking and that will stop uh, which is amazing like you never think of a device to do that for you um you usually just kick yourself for having burned the bagel bites because you messed up um so this kind of saves you in that case um it much like uh connected washing machines and dryers will also notify you when the thing is done preheating mm-hmm. when the thing is done cooking so if you don't he- hear the beeps because you're in a different room your watch told you hey the toaster oven's done um and uh that will definitely uh help you not burn the bagel bites uh if you were not paying attention because too many things were coming in at that exact moment in time having a child um so (laughs) so it turns out there's lots of chaos that happens uh so it's kind of like the perfect thing that entered our life uh so there's that aspect to it uh as far as the app goes uh it will give you like the the recipe basically right and here are the ingredients here are the steps Step one, preheat your oven. Press the button. The oven starts preheating. That is the most magical thing that a recipe app can do, right? Uh, It's just talking with your appliances and leaving you focus on reading what the recipe is. Because, frankly, you were supposed to read it before starting anything, but you didn't. Um, And that is, like, (laughs) the the best way to kind of get that all uh, working in unison. It also has some fancier modes where it will, like, 
have a cooking program for the exact thing that you're making that you can't replicate in any other way, which is a little weird. Um, maybe that will be something that the app will add down the line. This is, after all, their first uh, fancy product that connects with it. So, mm. um, and that's that's one thing. But uh, for all intents and purposes, uh, for what we've used it for so far, this has been excellent. Other things it does that I'm excited to try out, it can dehydrate. Um, which is something that if you ever wanted to dry herbs, um, or make certain types of sweets, like from fruits and stuff like that, something you can try, um, that I just never would have tried in the past. So, uh, that's cool. You can have multiple racks in it at once. It's like large enough for that. Um, Mm -hmm. it has a convection fan as mentioned, which makes it the best air fryer according to like wire cutter and those folks. Um, haven't tried air frying with it yet, uh, but I will, I guess, let people know if it sucks. I, that's the promise I can give you. Uh, so far, I'm very happy with uh, how how this uh, device turned out. Um, and again, excuse to talk about it uh, on the show because it has a connected app and therefore it's a tech product. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> As always, I want to personally thank everyone for listening in this week. Please be sure to follow us on mastodon.social at CodeCompletion to know new episodes go live. And feel free to tweet at us if there's ever a topic you'd like for us to dig into. Most importantly, as a small podcast, please be sure to share this with your friends and family who are also interested in any part of the process of app development. It's your support that enables us to continue doing this, and we want to grow a healthy community around everything we discuss. Once again, I want to give my thanks to Spencer, who's at Spencer C. Curtis. That's S-P-E-N-C-E-R-C-C-U-R-T-I-S for joining me this week. My name, once again, is Dimitri. You can find me at Dimitri Buñol. It's D-I-M-I-T-R-I-B-O-U-N-I-O-L. And we'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye. Uh, okay, now on to our main topic. <laughs> <laughs> we, are, we are no longer an iOS podcast. No, we, we, are professional, uh, we are professional adventurers in our own isekai oh, my um, gosh. adventure. Uh, and it turns out we're all on the same adventure. Uh, because we are out to save the kingle, kingdom of Hyrule. Um, That's right. But uh, in, in an effort to guide us on, on this uh, main topic of ours, uh, I wanted to like focus on one thing in particular that will probably uh, encompass probably everything we want to share that we've uh, thought of so far. Um, and that is, like, Nintendo, you don't make traditional Zeldas anymore. Like this game no. is not is not a good Zelda it's not game. Zelda. It's not Zelda. Um, and uh, I think I want to discuss on how that is so so, so wrong uh, yeah. on like so many different levels. I guess minor preface. Uh, we are going to try to not talk about like story yeah. spoilers. Yeah. Um, but we're going to be talking about like the gameplay aspects of it. Um, so uh, if you have not touched the game yet. Now is your chance to pause this and go touch the game. Um, and then once you kind of like touch the game for uh, for several Thousands lifetimes of, of your life, uh, then you can come back to this, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and to preface, like, I, I am like very f- not far along in the main storyline. I just kind of went and did my own thing. Spencer, I think you went quite far on the storyline, right? <laughs> 
Yeah, I yeah, I kind of have been trying to pace it. I mean, I've done a ton of exploration as well, but uh, there are some like good benefits you get from doing main storyline stuff. Um, okay, so not in the traditional sense. You use that information like, as far as like how how spoiler we are going to be. Um, yeah, like we're trying not to spoil each other, uh, but trying to yeah, like exactly. guide each other into like, oh, yeah. you should totally check this out. This is yeah. very cool. Uh, I'm exactly. not gonna tell you why, but uh, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. So yeah, spoiler warning over, I guess. Uh, yeah. How is this game not like amazing? The same. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's obviously it's not amazing because it's not linear, and you don't get an item in well, every hold, dungeon. Hold up, Spencer. Uh, this non-linearness. I would like to have you know, I could not get the hero's path that I really wanted and that I knew should be in the game because it was in the predecessor uh, until I started on this main quest. Um, so, like, I'd like to call call some things on this linearity part. Um, okay. Sure, it's not as linear as Skyward Sword where it's like, literally, go get uh, the cat. Freaking... Or Twilight Princess, I think, is the most infamous, like, one with the, with the most drawn-out initial, like, tutorials. Yes tutorial section i hesitate to hesitate to say that it's like oh get the falcon then save the cat and then just do this and then do that herd the goats okay gotta herd herd the goats the go- the i hate time. herding the goats dude <laughs> the goats are the worst <laughs> yeah um but i mean it it and breath of the wild are a very large departure from the traditional zelda format right where it's like got a bunch of dungeons you get an item in the dungeon you use the item to beat the dungeon go to the last boss uh, Breath of the Wild is like, hey, do the tutorial section. You can go to the final boss right now. That's all. That's all good. Or you can not touch the final boss and let Zelda just hang out for a hundred years, a uh, little more than a hundred years, and go years. explore some shrines. <laughs> yeah, like whatever. It's all good. The Link is out there collecting poop. I guess spoiler for Breath of the Wild, uh, they're poop. Uh, but Link is out there collecting <laughs> turds uh, from little tree from tree, tree people. Um, and they they kind of basically tell you this at the beginning but you're like oh this is special uh but it's like it smells funny um they clearly tell you these are turds <laughs> um and then at the very end people are surprised that you get a turd out of collecting all the turds. you get a big turd it's a yeah. bigger tree spirit of course he has a bigger turd what did you expect <laughs> uh, yeah but okay so like let's let, yeah you're right you're right but let's like recap on uh, Breath of the Wild, where it became, like, one of the best games of all time, beating out the previous best game of all time, which was Ocarina of Time, more traditional Zelda game, right? So, they've sort of changed the format um, Significantly, to this more, right? yeah, this more open world design, where you're very free to just do whatever you want. You can go to the... Um, dungeons in any order and do them and the same applies for tears of the kingdom um tears of the kingdom is basically the same format you're in the same world as breath of the wild just after the the events of breath of the wild um but they've evolved the format i suppose uh dimitri said something interesting we were talking about it um yes or wow that was today okay uh, whatever the days the days blur <laughs> we're both off work so we don't know what time is anymore um we were just talking about you know uh breath of the wild basically being ruined now um 
after Tears of the Kingdom and Breath of the Wild being the best game of all time. But it, it really by says something people. to ruin the best game of all time. Yeah. And then you said it was ruined into tech demo hood. And I was like, yes, that is exactly right. So, and I stole that to be clear. Like I've saw, I've seen oh, a few okay. other people say that. That is no, by no means an original, uh, an original quote. But yeah, it feels like a tech demo at this point. Like, yeah. there is no substance to the game once you compare it to Tears of the Kingdom. That said. I absolutely think if you have not, like, if you're listening to this and you have not played either and you're just, like, curious, go play Breath of the Wild first. Yeah, so... And not so that way, like, it will not be, like, ruined for you once you try Tears of the Kingdom. It is going to get you acclimated to Tears of the Kingdom. That's fair. Because Tears of the Kingdom adds a lot of layers on top of that, and I can definitely see it being overwhelming, like, significantly. Um, And I say this with a wife who has not ever played, like, 3D games before, and me, like, trying to get her into playing Breath of the Wild. (laughs) That was impossible just from the controls. Like, there was so much that she needed to learn about driving the character, like, learning how to drive, literally. Yeah, Um, Isn't that crazy that, like, it seems, I don't know, second nature to me, and I'm not mm -hmm. trying to belittle Lynn at all, but, like, a lot of, like, my my parents and my sister were like that for a long time. It's like, I have to move, but also control the camera at the same time. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's weird, right? Like, I take it for granted because I've been doing it my whole life. In retrospect, I should have started her off on Ocarina of Time. There's no camera control, right? It was literally made for people who have never played a 3D game before. Like, that was... Because it was the first 3D game. Yeah. (laughs) Like, one of the first... It wasn't the first, but it was, like, one of the first that... Yes, I know. Did it in The first console, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like... Um, so, like, that's what I probably should have started her on in terms of, like, learning to control characters, no matter how crappy it looked, um, right? But it had the ideas there to kind of guide people. And then once you have that down, it's like, oh, moving the camera, that's really cool, that's useful. I know how to move the character first, though. Um, so it's no longer, like, two things that I'm doing simultaneously. But talking about two things that I'm doing simultaneously, how many freaking times have you try to like fuse a thing but then hit l and then like use the control oh, yeah. stick or yep. like press the wrong button try to the... rotate something yeah i'll like all the time I'm, I'm rotating something yeah. with my with r press and i'm like okay i want to bring it closer to me now but my finger's still pressed so i'm like yeah. down and the thing rotates. i'm like no no, yep. no go back yep. and then there's a lot to like there's a lot manage and do simultaneously and it's going to be overwhelming um, and this is someone who's played many, 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 many hours of video games in his lifetime. Um, yeah. So just want to put that out there. If you are have played many, many hours of video games in your lifetime and you want to like try out a Zelda game, start with Breath of the Wild. It's yeah. not a bad game I, at, by any means. It no, it's amazing. Literally it's the amazing. best game that has been made <laughs> up until yeah. like 2017. Um, so that's like an excellent way to start into like zelda games and then if you follow that up with tears of the kingdom you'll now realize what so many lovers of zelda games were missing from breath of the wild yeah exactly it brings back a ton of stuff and you know there's like i i think it's just such a cool combination because like breath of the wild was amazing and because you're in the same world you get a sense of nostalgia from this new format but also yeah if you've played old zelda games brings back a lot of old enemies and it makes breath of the wild it had like 
four variations of enemies and that's about it right and it's like there's a lot more in i don't think that's that's fair right um one Mm. one uh it greatly expanded how enemies can level up right traditionally in zelda games you had red enemies and blue enemies and when i say traditionally the that's like old school yeah Yeah. pre pre ocarina time um that was the system you had red ones and blue ones uh, and then Ocarina of Time came along and you no longer had that. You had small ones and big ones, I guess you could say. Um, uh, like sure. small Deku trees and, uh, not trees, um, Deku Babas and big Deku Babas, small Skulltolas and big Skulltolas. Like that was the only kind of variation. But Ocarina of Time did have a whole lot more enemies than Breath of the Wild. Exactly. Like Breath of the Wild, you have like Bokoblins, you have your, uh, Moblins. Moblins. And you and... have your Hinoxes, right? That's like one group. Sure. Then you yeah, have your Lionels, uh, and then you have the Lizalfos. Lizalfos. Um, like that's it, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, and like, yes, oh, and the, the Taluses. Taluses. It's like yeah. And then there's, okay, there's, on those. There, yeah, yeah. So there's like less than eight or so, and en- kinds of enemies, and it bring you know Tears of the Kingdom ups that by a lot, and it's you know in surprising ways, right? Like, yes. it, let's talk about a few of them, <laughs> please. Uh, you're just walking around. And then suddenly you hear a tree following you. <laughs> it's like, what is going on? Why is the apple tree mad at me? I didn't even take its apples. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, there's a lot to it. So my my brother calls me randomly yesterday. He also playing? He's like, no. But his best friend is. And he they were just sitting there. And he looked super pissed because... His friend was just sitting there on the Switch playing uh, Tears of the Kingdom. And he's like, hey, he wanted me to call just to see where you are in the game. He's like obsessed with the thing. He won't get off. And I was like, oh, kind of hard to say, you know, whatever. And he's like, I haven't played Breath of the Wild. And I'm like, oh, dude, no, man. Like, cool. But yeah, I was like, I don't know if you want to play Breath of the Wild now. It's weird. It really does feel almost like a tech demo. Mm-hmm. It's a big tech demo, hundreds of hours, but uh, they've improved a lot, and it's just like feels a lot more polished. I mean, what sucks is it's on the Switch, and so it kind of runs not awesome at times. You get like 15 frames per second in a couple places when you, there's a lot of particle effects going on, or you're carrying something, and it's like this kind of sucks. I wish it was on better hardware, but it's like. I will absolutely overlook all of that because it's an amazing game. Um, I just really want Nintendo to, one, stop being a terrible company, and two, to come out with better hardware um, so I can play my game at at least 1080-60. That would be just awesome. I've stopped playing it on my 4K TV because it looks like hot garbage. I'm now playing it on my monitor, so it doesn't look... I can't see the aliasing as much and stuff. And You know, it's... They're they're small little bummer pieces, but overall the game itself, if you ignore that, um, it's just like insane. I think we've both logged many, many hours in the last few days already, and um, you know, there's so much to do. There's way more quests. Um, To me, the world feels a lot more like um, full, and I guess like maybe that's what they were going for with Breath of the Wild, was this like it's sparse and there aren't a lot of people, but like this time it's like, there's a bunch of people NPCs and, everywhere. 
Yeah. And I, what's funny is like, I think I stopped, like Dimitri was talking about this one quest line where you build a town. Oh, uh, Terrytown. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I, I just didn't do it. And I, I think I stopped talking to people because of everyone I talked to was like a Yiga clan. So I was like, I'm done with this. I'm done talking to people. I don't care anymore. Um, and they're they're back in in Choose the Kingdom, but it's like there's a lot more people. They so. can be objects too. The info screen told me uh, it's not oh, limited to to people. Uh, objects can be Yiga clan members too, which I Great. have not run into yet. No, I haven't either. The info screen told me, so I'm telling you. <laughs> now I know. Yeah. So said, so be careful. So yeah. I I can't even like sum up every like all of my experiences already in the last few days like it, there's a lot and uh, you know a lot of it's like spoilery too but um if it's... anything i would say this is what nintendo wished ocarina time could have been like sure, this is yeah. the final state of that kind of game right yeah where you have complete freedom to actually explore and uh discover new things on your own whether you already know certain landmarks, like, hey, you know there's a castle, you know there's a forest, you know there's mm-hmm. Azora's domain, you know there's a Goran city. Heck, you even know exactly where they are because you've been to those places. That okay, takes right. away nothing from this game. Yeah. Because... It doesn't feel reused, like, not hardly at all. at all. It's crazy. If anything... it's the same world. If anything, it just fades as the background canvas for all the new stuff. Because absolutely yep. everywhere, assuming you're not just flying, which I have been doing a lot lately, uh, yes, f- from point to point, if you are just like naturally walking through these environments, you're going to get sidetracked so much because you're going to look yep. to your left and see like, ooh, a cave. And then you go to that cave and out comes a giant flock of keys that you're always going to miss because they surprise the hell out of you. Uh, and then you go deeper in that cave and then you realize the cave does not end. It just keeps going and going and going. And these are like the most perfect like representations of what grottos could have been in Ocarina of Time, you know, where uh, they they were something that you can discover and you can get the damn rumble pack uh, to tell you when you're close to them. Um, yeah. And yeah. Uh, I won't say how, but there is a way for you to know where cave entrances are in the game. Um, like if you do a certain thing, then they will just pop up, uh, to tell you where all the entrances are. And boy, are there a lot of cave entrances. They are absolutely yes. everywhere, whether they're hiding, whether they're in plain sight. Um, and they go on for literally ever. There's like, some, yeah, there's one that you can discover where the starting point of the game is. Right. Um, and it literally goes all the way to the castle, but they didn't cheat how, that distance is it's that full distance to the castle but underground in caves so you are wandering around for hours in that cave system finding all sorts of different things enemies uh like things that are out um in in the world and it just brings back that that uh that wonder of discovery that breath of the wild kind of pioneered in a way um yeah and it just makes it feel fresh again even though you already know where everything is right um i very recently started playing a little bit of breath of the wild recently so i knew exactly where 
uh, Hateno Village was and where Kakariko Village was. But I could not, for the life of me, get there anytime, like, until recently, because there were so many things that just sapped my attention away from yeah. uh, n- wanting to go, like, visit Link's house, uh, which you should definitely go visit if you haven't. Uh, there are implications. It was definitely Link's house. There were <laughs> definitely armor displays on the wall. It was a, a man gave you of a man house in every way possible. Uh, I'll let you sit with that. Uh, until you go visit it on your own. Uh-huh. Um, so, uh, like, even little things like that, like, I couldn't even get to. Like, that, I told Spencer, this is the list of things I want to do. I want to go visit Link's yeah. house. I want to go visit the Shrine of Resurrection. I want to go visit Terrytown. I did two of those things. I did not visit Terrytown yet. Um, but it took me forever to do those two things because there is just so much, uh, like, vying for your attention as you walk around, as you learn about the story, like there's way more of a story this time than Breath of the yeah. Wild. Yeah, yeah. Um, like it's from the very beginning. You have 30 minutes of uh, exposition to kind of get you in the in the mindset of why uh, everything is in the way it is, um, and that kind of sets you up for why all the NPCs behave the way they do. Why. Uh, the world itself is so different than it was. Like, what caused those changes? Well, you're going to be handheld through that process at the beginning. You're going to realize that Link was quite powerful. You're going to learn about all the things he could do. Yeah. Um, when he had three wheels of stamina and you can run around like a lunatic uh, and then have that quickly taken away from you. Um, yeah. It, yeah. So they, they did a good job of like bringing you back to zero i was like okay that's clever it was good fun fun thing that the day one patch did that the early uh like the the non-patched versions did not at the beginning of the game when you had your 30 hearts it used the 40 width so you had one and a half lines of hearts but then the day one patch fixed that so you have two lines of 30 20s um or two fifteens, or fifteen, fifteen, yeah, yeah. So, like, that's another thing. I guess spoiler: uh, you can have forty hearts. Um, you you quickly realize as you start accumulating them and you get your yellow hearts that the line is much longer than it was. Um, yeah, definitely. In, in uh, Breath of the Wild, so uh, that like, there's just so much that they expanded on, um, and yeah. it makes it feel so fresh to play. And it is all in ways that previous Zelda games have done, right? There's more collectibles. Uh, there's yeah. more things that you can you can uh, explore in individual ways. You have a better uh, way of tracking what people are doing and like following up with that, kind of like Majora's yeah. Mask. Um, you have islands to explore, like Wind Waker. Um, there are even treasure yeah. maps, uh, though I've yeah. only found one of them. Um, yeah, that like you can go hunting for. It's like the best parts of every Zelda game up until this point without the freaking collecting light spirits whatever that i that was the, hate yeah. um <laughs> with things chasing you oh kinda. gosh uh yeah. like i i guess they brought back that too you have anxiety piano, yeah uh, with yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the guardians chasing you um uh floor masters are back and that is something that uh, that is absolutely absolutely freaking terrifying and gets my heart racing every single time because the music changes it's a blood moon in the middle of the freaking day uh and there's no outrunning they're it fast, they dude. are freaking fast if you're if you don't have a plan of action knowing that they're there um 
they are so fast. How did you not run into any of these until I told you about them? I don't know, dude. And then I started running into them all the time. They are everywhere. They are everywhere. <laughs> it's like absolutely um, terrifying. I got like a, a at least 12 hour head start on Dimitri, probably. Uh, 12 hours of gameplay. You have much more probably. than that because I have been not playing 24-7. <laughs> no, I know. I'm just saying at the start and mm-hmm. somehow I never ran into them. Um I wanted to mention, um, I was watching a video that came out like a week ago called How Nintendo Solved Zelda's Open World Problem, and it talks about the way that they designed Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom's world. It's super interesting, and it sort of goes uh, along with what you were saying about you get distracted all the time, and it's really well designed if this is actually sort of their thought process behind it. Um, So check it out. It's like 10 minutes long. So on the topic of that video... Uh, because I did watch that. Um, oh, okay, cool. The the thing that immediately jumped to mind is, uh, spoiler alert, there is a Dark World um, in this game, much like a lot of the previous Zelda titles. Yeah. Uh, pre-3D, right? The Dark World didn't really make a comeback in the 3D scene yeah. until now. I guess a link yeah. between worlds. Yes, the DS one. The, the 3DS one. That one had a Dark yeah. World. Um, but that was basically... Uh, the um, not Link's Awakening, a uh, Link's of the Past's world, right? It's a sequel. Yeah. It's reusing the same map. Uh, who'd have thought that it'd still work? Um, so the the entirety of Hyrule has a basement. Um, and I I hesitate to call it a basement because it is much more filled than you'd think. Um, yes. with stuff uh to explore. And yeah. Do. Uh, but and you're like. A- there, there I aren't mean, those like mountains, like as they, as yes. he was explaining in the video, uh, to kind of keep you from going point to point because you can't see anything down there. And when I say it's yeah. pitch black, you are it's... hundreds of meters below the ground, and they make you realize that very quickly. Like it feels yeah. like you are in the depths. Uh, it's not like there's lingering light. There's no light. Uh, you yeah. have to make the light if you want it. Um, and the only thing you can see in the distance are this faint glow of the light roots. Um, and that's what I ended up doing is going point to point to those light roots. Oh yeah. I can't, you can't see anything else. You have no other direction. You have no other pointers of where you want to go other than that straight line. Um, because I need some light. Yeah. There's nothing else you can do. Um, yeah. I, like the moment I, I, diverge from that straight line i had no idea where i was anymore um and that's why i wanted the tears freaking path so much uh because i felt like <laughs> i was just going yeah. in circles because I, there's like so few landmarks that you can recognize because everything is so dark and finally like after exploring it a while you start to build up uh a mental yeah. map of where things are but oh boy is it a big mental map that is uh not at all what i was expecting or no what Nintendo kind of previewed. Like, they just... It, it is very Nintendo to, like, keep this under wraps and just, like, not talk about it until the game comes out and be like, oh, yeah, we have an entire second map. Like, oh, those Sky Islands? Oh, psh, don't worry about those. There's the depths. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, like, it's crazy because Breath of the Wild's map is huge, just the main overworld, mm-hmm. right? And then they've effectively doubled it between the depths and the Sky Islands, which is just, like... I, I would say more than doubled it. I would say the depths they doubled probably. it, and then the caves plus sky islands they probably. Oh, good point. It. Yeah, because the caves 
are in between Hyrule and the Depths. They are not anywhere close to the Depths, but they are like a fully explorable thing that's basically every area that you're around has a full cave system that you can really explore. And yes, it's smaller. Just like the Sky Islands above, yes, they are smaller. Um, they don't take up the uh, large expanse, right? Um, but there's a whole bunch of verticality puzzles involved with it. Like, you can enter in a cave, enter into a cavern, and be like, well, there's nothing else to explore here. You turn around, and now there's two entrances. Like, which one did I come from? I don't even rem- remember which one I came from uh, at that point because you didn't realize there were two entrances uh, to it. And that's how you kind of lose even more time, time like, exploring that. So, so, so good. It's amazing. Uh, how? What are your feelings regarding the memories that have been shown so far? So, spoilers, I guess. Memories are back. Uh, with uh, with Tears of the Kingdom, they are different than Link's memories because they are not Link's memories this time around. Um, they are kind of uh things that have been left for you to discover. Um, and once again, you need to piece the story together little by little. Uh, though it does give you some guidance as far as where these are and how to find them without needing to like actually uh, fall back on a mental map of you actually discovering the place, which was quite satisfying when it worked, um, but then frustrating when it didn't, right? Um, like when you see the picture and be like, I just explored this. I know exactly where this is. That was like the most satisfying discovery. Uh, but it's like, oh, where's this final freaking memory? Uh, you can never find it. That was frustrating. So uh, this kind of gets rid of the the wonder uh, of that whole process and makes it a whole lot more handholdy uh, because you can f- basically from the the tenth hour go and discover all of these if you wanted to, right? Yeah. Uh, sorry, I've got a train in the background. Um, yeah, I think I think overall what I enjoy the most about comparing Tears of the Kingdom and Breath of the Wild is. Um, there is a lot more story. Um, it, that was another thing that felt a little now comparing it tech demo where, uh, <laughs> breath of the wild was like, I compare it to like the, like the FromSoft like dark souls and Elden ring lore, because it's like, it's very like, you kind of have to look for it yourself and it's not, yeah, it's very environmental and it, not much is, is sort of given to you. Um, Whereas Tears of the Kingdom, honestly, like I honestly, I feel like it it fits the format a little bit better to to give you a little bit more where it comes from the NPCs, the storyline itself, but and the memories as well. It like they, it just feels a little bit meatier, mm-hmm. which I like. So it it like I think for both of us, we as soon as we saw a couple of the the memories, we're like, gotta collect them. Okay, all. <laughs> we're gonna go hunt all of them. We're like, I in either of my two or three playthroughs of breath of the wild. I never got all the memories. Cause like, I, I don't care about the armor. It's whatever. Uh, it's not worth it to me. So, uh, the and the memories memory. weren't satisfying themselves. And the I secret ending. The secret memory. I don't even know. They showed it off but, in the trailer. <laughs> oh, okay. Anyway, it's good. Uh, yeah. Like the memories are good. And the overall storyline just is a lot meatier, which is great. Cause it just feels not as like barren of a like I am completely alone in this world with a bunch of Yiga clan people and that's all. 
you know, you poor Spencer. Yeah. What has the Yiga clan done to you, Spencer? Dude, it's every. I just like I'm gonna stop talking to people. I hate this. This is the worst. <laughs> so they're gonna break all my weapons and give me some bananas in return. Not worth. I guess excellent so. segue into another thing that this game uh, iterates on, and that is the infamous weapon durability. Um, in Breath of the Wild, it was necessary. Otherwise, you wouldn't go exploring anything uh, if you didn't have yeah. something that you needed. Uh, and that something that you needed was something you were always low on, and that was weapons. Um, until the very end game, once you've discovered everything, that's when you'd essentially start accumulating weapons up your uh, gazoo. And then it's like, okay, now we need quark seeds to make slots for all these good <laughs> weapons yeah. I don't want to use. Um, Tears of the Kingdom, I'm very much at the beginning, is like, well... Uh, you have your fundamental weapon types. Doesn't matter how strong they are. Um, and you have your fundamental weapon tips. Uh, very much matters how strong those are. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you can combine them. Uh, and therefore, the first few hours of play, I had a full inventory of uh, rock clubs uh, to just like destroy every rock I found with. Uh, and that was yeah. that was my my build, uh, so to speak. Uh, it was the rock club. Uh, or, or it was half rock clubs and half long stick sticks. Um, yes, because those are those are definitely fun to run around with. Um, so I love it. I love yeah, just being able to like have something twice as tall as you are sticking out of your back <laughs> as you run at full speed. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, they've and that you know I think that was a big pain point for everyone in Breath of the Wild. It's like this sucks finding weapons and stuff. And they've I mean, it's still there, but it's mitigated quite a bit where uh, it's definitely. um, I I have never been. I have never been without a weapon. I have never been sad to lose one because they're like, they're all shit. Um, So I don't really mind uh, losing one or two or most of them. I'm like, please get rid of these so I can make some room for the better ones. Um, Yeah, that's true. And uh, I have never run out of arrows like i have 600 plus arrows at this point um and that's because i'm breaking every crate with my rock clubs uh i (laughs) everyone has arrows in them every crate every box you see is like a bundle of five arrows so until you said something i was all like when i was in the depths i would always use arrows for bright bloom seeds oh forgot never throw never use arrows i always ran out of arrows in breath of the wild those are a precious resource i know know. too many like Until you mentioned in Slack that you could throw the seeds, I was like, oh, that, yeah, I should do that. So I haven't run out since, but I was running out because I'd be in the depths and just be shooting seeds so I could freaking see. Uh, Yeah, no. Now I'm like, oh, I will just throw them. Yeah. Talking about seeds, I have like hundreds of those. Um, Yeah. I, I I am overstocked on almost everything except rupees. I have no rupees. But. You know what's awesome though is like you'll actually use the items, and oh, that's like definitely. for crafting. I was like, I I'm never going to use any of these monster parts. I don't make elixirs that often. So, but now you're like, yeah, I'll just like throw this horn on a on a sword and make a better sword. It's pretty cool. It's it's a good system. Oh man, it's it's harsh because this game is hits much harder than Breath of the Wild. I would say, like unless you know exactly the enemy patterns. You are going to be wrecked. Um, oh, and then existing yeah. enemies, it's... guess what? New patterns. When they start shaking their head like crazy, I don't know what to do. Uh, they hit me every time and they murder me. Yeah. 
um absolutely every single time um it's I, like you it's start so on master mode yeah yeah i i don't it's, think they have that of... that one hit protection in this game though actually no oh, yeah. i take that back they do have it um because i didn't notice this until i got more hearts getting more hearts was useless like they don't help you <laughs> at all um as I, armors yeah yeah you need to get better armor you need to uh do the musician thing like i guess other spoilers uh the the yeah. great fairies uh they are in plain sight they're very easy to find this time around uh they are not so happy to help you um yeah. it's not a question of rupees i was like i found a fairy i don't even have 100 rupees what is she gonna tell me and she's like oh i need a musician and i'm like woof. i don't have rupees i don't have a musician either but this makes me feel a little better um yeah so uh like new new variations on all that um and it's fresh and that's yeah. i think the biggest thing is it's like it's they're reusing things but like not in like a tiring way where you're like this is the same game mm-hmm. like it's it's a completely fresh experience yeah which is awesome so heck fairy fountains are back uh not the great fairy fountains the the minor ones just in the sky you have random yeah. ponds full of fairies uh, yeah. and they are impossible to catch as always because they're floating way up here and you are crouching, I I waiting just, for them patiently. You just sit there and wait, like, come on, just come down, <laughs> please. Or they're in the middle of the pond. You're like, what am I supposed to do? Uh, yeah. Long gone are the days of Ocarina's Time where you just run in and they just envelop you. Uh, yeah. Long gone. At least they're not fugly area, fairies, right? Uh, yeah. I hated the fugly fairies from Majora's Mask yeah. and from Wind Waker. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It's like, what did you do? These were like so perfect, and then you ruined them. So nineties, dude. Yeah. So glad they brought back the the OG fairy from Ocarina of Time for Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom. Um, yeah. And they're just as useless. Like once you have like a million hearts, they don't really restore anything. Um, yeah. But they still got your back, and that's all that's important. Especially when you're like, and just kill me anyways. No, stop using all my fairies. <laughs> I just want to die and restart this experience. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh so, so good so so good play it for Definitely. sure it's uh it's uh contender for my favorite game of all time for sure yeah and it's already been like speed runnable stuff has been happening i yeah. don't know if you saw. I saw someone beat it in 94 minutes that was the last thing i saw yeah and th- like, there there are a few a few glitches that have been found like you can duplicate uh items um nice. you can you can uh fly a little faster with the the little gale thing that you get um mm-hmm. i guess gale thing that you get dungeons a lot of people are saying breath of the wild did not have dungeons they had divine beasts and they sucked uh and tears of the kingdom also does not have dungeons it has yeah, it's the same thing it has basically divine temples beasts. so let, yeah. let's i, I want to talk about this a little bit because i think this is an evolution of what we considered a dungeon um, because the dungeon is no longer just the building that you enter to yeah. to solve the puzzles. The entire yeah. area is the dungeon leading yeah, up they're... to that building. Yeah. And that building, I would say, is the final room before the boss room where you need to do the final things to get to the boss. Everything before that is the dungeon. That linear... Yeah. Uh, mental model of like figuring out things and perhaps backtracking and collecting the things that you need to finally Mm -hmm. go into the final area to beat the boss the final area does not have 
any of the things that we think of in dungeons where you need to collect small keys, you need to backtrack, you need to do all these right. things because the rest of the environment did that. So it doesn't need to. It doesn't need to like place that additional mental burden. And I think that's what a lot of Zelda fans really miss is have is that that poetic idea of like a building that has yeah, all sure. those aspects. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but they are kind of missing the trees for the weeds or whatever that expression is because that whole environment before that did that. Like it, yeah, it, it, it fulfilled like, that duty. Yeah, the. the dungeon starts as soon as basically that quest starts and Mm -hmm. you have that whole chain of events like i can see that for sure yeah it it, it much more leaks into its environment uh than you would expect and the fact that they did that in such a way that no one recognized it meant they did an excellent job at that it's just they didn't satisfy what people thought they wanted which is like the uh, take what everyone was complaining about the dungeons no one really said oh i wanted a really linear uh like experience of discovering a dungeon which is what zelda dungeons have always been they're super linear right but you don't realize they're linear because they're twisted and turned in such a way where like the only way to make progress is to find this key and then you go back to this point and then unlock a door and then you didn't have a choice between which doors to unlock. You had one door that needed to be unlocked, but it was not in the same area where the key was. So it's like, it didn't feel linear, but it was linear. No one was asking for that. Everyone was asking, Hey, I want themed places with their own music, um, that, uh, felt unique in some way. And that's what Mm -hmm. we got with tears of the kingdom. Like they, they listened to that feedback. Um, and a lot of people are still not happy about that. They're like, well, that still doesn't feel like a dungeon because they don't know how to, how to put to words that they wanted that linear experience back in a way. Yeah. Um, which the lead up is fun. Yeah. Like there's a couple of them out of the, the four that are like really, really, really cool. So, I mean, heck the, the whole climb for the first one that you're encouraged to do, um, because yeah, they do exactly. encourage you to do these in a certain order. Uh, just like in breath of the wild. I don't know how many, of you started with uh, the Divine Beasts in the desert. No one did. Guess what? Yeah, that's the that's easiest true. one that to do first. One. Because doing that one last makes it the hardest. Because it turns out the Divine Beasts... Uh, not the Divine Beasts. The, 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 the enemies the, scale. The Calamities. They scale as you beat the other ones. So they get harder and harder yeah. and harder. Uh, and Thunder Blight is the, is hardest, the hardest one when it's scaled yeah. all the way up. But if you do it the first time... No one has any problem, but no one does that one the first time because guess what? Yeah. You are not led in that direction. You're led towards Kakariko Village and then you're led to Hateno. And then guess what's over there? The Zora's Domain. So you, the then Zora, you do that yep. and then you do Elden and then you do the Wind one and then you do the the Electricity one. Yeah. So like they, it's open, but they lead you in that direction without you realizing it. And everyone goes down that same kind of path. In this case, they are heavily leading you towards the Rito. They're like, hey, you should go check out that giant cloud Oh, it's really cold. The Rito are suffering. Yada, yada, yada. They want you to go towards yeah. the Rito. And I'm like, I know better. I don't want to do this. I want to get my hero's <laughs> path so I can better explore these caves and depths. Better. And it won't let me do that. And that kind of made me mad a little bit yeah. because it was forcing linearity when it didn't need to. Um, that's fair. Uh, but that's what you get when you want a story because you can't have a story and a true like open world of let the player do whatever they want because then it's like there's so many permutations of what the user could have done that you as a developer can't control for and therefore it's a nightmare 
to like draft something out that can work. Um, so that's like what they're contending with. Um, so I get that certain parts need to be linear. The fact that I can just go explore everything, that's totally fine. Like I was hoping yeah. for such a minor thing that I knew had to exist because the previous one had it, um, but was like totally inconsequential towards the progress of the game. Sure. Um, yeah. Like the thing that I'm nitpicking is like not important at all. Um, it was uh, just me trying to push the limits of knowing how this whole thing was framed to begin with. Um, and for all intents and purposes, they are doing an excellent job guiding the user. It's like, hey, you can do the Rito thing, but you can also do these other three things, or maybe this one extra fourth thing, um, like or fifth thing, I should say. Um, and all of those things are available to you. You just have to start one, basically, and you can make the rest of the progress. Um, like, we want to hold your hand through one of these experiences um, right. so that way you know what to expect from the other ones. Um, and doing that first one, like, getting there is one thing, whether you walked it, whether you flied through, like, that's up to you. Um, walking it, you'll probably have gone too distracted to make progress, which is what happened to me. I'm like, told Spencer four times, I'm finally making progress for Tebra. Yeah. Um, and it, it just kept not happening because I kept finding different things uh, and getting distracted, uh, namely by grabby, grabby, grabby hands, uh, which kept popping up and tormenting me. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, like you get to that place and then they basically give you some more story exposition and then you're off on the adventure to do it. In Breath of the Wild, it was climbing through uh, this mountain full of rain that you can't climb on. So you're limited to the path and figuring out how to scale that path, which once again right, is yeah. linear. Um, in this case, it's, oh, you need to climb the mountain and then get to an ever-climbing set of islands uh, that so cool. lead up to the top of the cloud that you need to get to. Um, and that is all linear as well. There's like... Right. Very that's, few that's, ways to get through, but it makes you feel yeah. like, okay, where do I need to go next? Oh, if I do this one, this one, this one, then maybe that's a path forward. Yeah. Uh, and you feel like a genius for figuring it out when that was the path forward. That's because the whole, yeah. That's yeah. the one they were leading you towards. Um, so yeah. that's like all I really want to say is all of that was the dungeon. You just didn't realize it. Exactly. Because Nintendo did yeah. such a good job blending those two things together. Um, and if you find yourself you didn't enjoy it because it wasn't a traditional Zelda. Did you not enjoy it at all? Or were you just comparing it to that experience? Right. At the end of the day, that was really fun climbing those, those islands to get to the very top of that. Uh, and then finally getting to a freaking flying ship, uh, that sure you get to there and it's like, Oh, here are the objectives. And then you need to go do those five things. Um, fine. Like, but you can do the those in any way order, fun. right? Yeah. Um, and and you can go do it with a companion, which is new and and this game, reminiscent of Wind Waker, right? That was mm-hmm. the last real time that you really yeah. had like a companion through a dungeon like this. Um, it doesn't take hours of your life to get through. Right. Um, like this is something you can do in one sitting, which in today's day and age. That, I'm thankful for that, honestly. Yeah. Um, I don't want to be in a dungeon for one month straight. Um, but I guess kids forget where you would are want and, a different yeah. experience out of that. So who knows there? Um, they can be in a cave system for one month straight. Uh, that's that's for them. Um, 
and and yeah you get to the point and there's a final boss and the boss is unique and it doesn't look like the other bosses uh and you're good uh and then you get to the goran area and you're immediately met with this boss looking thing that turns out it's just like uh a fun uh a fun roller coaster ride to to figure out how to do it uh but it makes you feel like you're fighting the boss from the beginning um and i haven't gone further from there so i can't speak to speak to how how that has changed but um like a plus from the zelda team kind of listening to feedback and bringing back like there are gonna be tons of people that experience this as their first zelda game or second zelda game yeah um and no one's going to really get all the references that are being like put in play there are so many callbacks so good though in mechanics alone to past games um and that is the part that just makes me as a zelda fan super super happy to see like it was super nice getting breath of the wild where everything was fresh and new but it has been so nice seeing all these callbacks to things that i grew up with and loved like down to link cooking food and then singing ocarina time tunes or uh tunes from uh, other zelda games as well like while he's cooking it's like i'm not skipping it anymore because i want to listen yeah exactly so uh, like all of that is so nice. Yep. Go play it. It's good. It's uh, it's really really good. Yeah. Spencer's meanwhile typing to me to shut up so that way we can no, get no. back to continue our adventure. <laughs> no, you're good. It's good to take a break. I, I've I've been playing it a freaking lot. So. So what is next on your to do list? What are you gonna explore next? Um. I don't know, dude. Uh, I, I've kind of been like neglecting a lot of quests. Like I've, I'll like anytime I see a shrine, I'll go do it. Um, so I've got a lot of shrines and stuff done. But uh, probably go do some quests. Maybe I was thinking about finally like just going on like a boss rush to get um, more uh, parts for armor and stuff. So that's probably what I'm going to be doing. Because the armor's lacking, and I feel it. <laughs> I feel it in my bones. <laughs> yeah. They'd be so. cracking. Yeah. Oh, man. Can't wait. Yep. It's good. So. Okay. Bye, everyone. <laughs>